When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Oh, there she is. <laughs> and we're here with the Invested Podcast. There's too many things She's, to do. I gotta turn on the timer. There's a, I gotta figure there's out where the lag. microphone is. There's a there's oh a time gosh. lag from Zurich to Atlanta. Yeah. You believe we get to do this from Zurich to Atlanta. You guys were, were it is obviously cool. we're talking about investing here. And we mean investing, not speculating. So um let's we've been working on a checklist for a while. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Have Quite we ever time. gotten straight into the topic at hand? And Daniel wants to talk about the logistics <laughs> of the checklist. I do. Is, I've been wanting to talk I about it for even, a while. I don't even know what that means. I know you don't. <laughs> so I put the checklist in a truck and send it to Pittsburgh. Somebody you, who fills it out of a and mails it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Tell us what that <laughs> means in your mind. It's it's the the practicalities of how does something happen. When do you do it? How do you do it? In what order do you do it? Physically, what does it look like to get this thing done, to go through this checklist? Hmm. So I think about it like questions I have about how do you go through a checklist? Um, do you do it on paper or on a computer? Do hmm. you use a pen or a pencil so you can erase it? Do you write hmm. your uh, comments separately from the checklist on the checklist do you not write them at all do you use pen or computer for that how do you make notes about all of your answers or do you do you run it with another person or do you run it only in your head is all, again is all of this on paper or on a computer do you then save your checklist in some way so you can come back to it 10 years from now when you're wondering what the heck you were thinking <laughs> like what 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 are the I'm trying to think of a different word than like practicalities, but that's what it is. What are the practicalities of how you personally choose to go through this thing and get it done and say, okay, it's finished now. How do you know when it's finished? Mm -hmm. That's another mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, tell me well, first. How do we know it's finished and what's no, 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 the but tell me, let's start at the beginning. It. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. Right, so you have this, beginning. you have this checklist, which we've spent hours going through yeah when you say to yourself you know what time to run the checklist on company a what happens next okay well i think it's a pyramid of checklists actually i think that we sort of have three checklists that i think about um which build on each other so the first obvious checklist is the very one we started from the very beginning of the podcast with, which is, do I understand the business? Do I think it has a durable competitive advantage? Mm. Is management somebody I might trust and, and can I buy it on sale? So particularly in this market, we don't really get to the fourth thing until we've really done the first three to some degree, just have an idea roughly can't, am I capable of understanding this is the first big box to check? And if I don't think I am, then I'm done. 
It, it, that gets rid of okay, a lot of so companies this, really fast. This is like before you've really done extensive research, right? Yeah. This okay. is starting right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So somebody says, hey, Sprouts Market, right? Mm-hmm. You got to look at this. The numbers are really good. So somebody says that. Mm-hmm. So immediately I want to understand, can I understand this grocery store? And having worked extensively on things like Kroger's and Whole Foods and I feel very comfortable in the space. So automatically I know I'm in, I'm in a space where I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I think I probably can understand these guys. And the question about understanding, usually if I already understand the industry a bit is usually going to come down to the second big check mark, which is, does this thing have a moat? Right. That's, I know already in the grocery industry, it's a fairly commodity kind of business. So the moat becomes extremely important or you're going to end up buying into a company that's got really crappy margins. And so I know immediately, uh, yeah, I can understand it. And whoa, what's the moat of this company? Because I don't even want to bother with it on any of the other levels until I have a pretty good idea that it's got a competitive advantage somehow. Right? Sure. Yeah. And this is, this is happening in your head. Yeah. Right in my head. Okay. And then um, I'm probably going to go to our toolbox right off the bat to see what these numbers were that somebody said are good mm-hmm. or that I maybe spotted and thought they were good. So I'm going to go to the toolbox and I'm going to look at, and you can do this in lots of different websites. You can do this on value line. You can do it on our tools. You can do it at Google up information on companies or you just get their 10 K's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and look at them, which is the, <laughs> the hardest thing. But then I, I'm going to just, jump into the toolbox because the toolbox, and this isn't an advertisement for the toolbox. I'm just telling you what I do. The toolbox does a lot of the organizing of those numbers for me and presents kind of a long history of numbers I'm keen to understand. And so very quickly I can look and see if the, if the numbers look good in the toolbox and I can do that in just a few seconds. So that's a big help to, to getting onto the more difficult work of really digging into the thing. So I could look at sprouts and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The numbers look, I understand, right? It's got big margins and way better than the rest of the grocery stores in the industry. And just real quickly say, yeah, it's, okay, cool. So there must be a moat. I'm thinking there must be a moat. These guys have come around. They've been around for a while. If they've got numbers like that, they're more profitable than the rest of the grocery stores in the industry. What are they doing that gives them that ability? So now I'm starting to kind of just yeah this is your this bit. is your research process yeah so then yeah. I, I, so so far i've spent like three minutes yeah but i'm now interested so it didn't end up in the too hard pile which is stuff i don't really think i can understand well um and it didn't get dumped because the numbers don't support the idea of a moat so i'm there i'm kind of like okay yeah this is kind of interesting. I'm not looking at management yet because I've already, when I'm looking at the numbers, I've already sussed out that management isn't stupid, that the numbers are, that I look at mm-hmm. for management teams are pretty dang good. They, in other words, debt is a, is not a problem. The company basically has zero debt. When I subtract the cash that they've got sitting there from the debt they owe, it comes out zero. Mm-hmm. So, okay, dang, that's great. In this in this world we're in right now, so many companies have so much debt. So I'm like, oh, okay, these are guys I'd be interested in. They have the ability to sustain their company 
even if revenues are going down, even if things are rough in a recession or depression, these guys can probably make it. So that's, that's what's going on in my head. So management numbers kind of look pretty good. Return on equity looks good. Return on invested capital looks good. And I'm thinking, wow, the management team's got their act together. Okay. So there we are for the right away, the first three parts of this thing of the, the big checklist of the sort of the overarching checklist. Do I understand it? Does it have some kind of moat and does management look good? I can answer those questions one way or the other, usually pretty quickly. In, in this case, maybe five minutes total time. Yeah. So that's early research. Yep. Good. Okay. Now then, I'm, I'm going to move to kind of a second level of, of checklist. <laughs> this is exactly how we do this. Okay, good. Now let's dig in a little deeper um, on the first huge thing that's super important. Is this a simple business and can I predict where it's going to be? I, I so really want to know that. Like, like we spent a lot of time going through this checklist and you're choosing to go way before the checklist. Oh, this that, is part of the process. You I get want to it. know it's logistics of, of the checklist. No, 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 I'm no, carrying no. the boxes to the, the truck. Process. I don't know what you'd call it. It's part of the process. <laughs> yeah. But just to be clear, we have not yet made it to this checklist. Not to the to the major checklist. The major which checklist. Which we're not going to get to unless we get through the minor checklist. Totally. This is a checklist that's done after all the research is done as a check <laughs> on oneself, correct? The, the big checklist, the one that takes like 20 pages of, yeah. of dense answers. Yeah. That one is, um, is where we dig in deeper. That's what I would say there. That's where we try to avoid making a mistake. And that bigger checklist can take us a hundred hours. Right. So I don't okay, want to start so that, spending a hundred hours. Is that a hours. different checklist? Oh, well. No. Damn. So hard to say. Like I said, it's a pyramid. So draw a pyramid and draw a line close to the top and then draw a line in the middle. Yeah, okay. And you have the pyramid broken into three pieces. And I'm going to call this the checklist pyramid. And the very tippy top part of this thing is four questions. And I'm really just going to answer three of them. Do I understand the business? Does it have a moat? Do I like the management team? I'm going to do that really quickly. Then I'm going to go to eight questions <laughs> that cover the whole range. And the first one is that we hammer, and when I say we, I'm talking about me and my analysts, which help keep me honest about this so that I can talk to these guys and they can make sure that they're feeding back and I'm not in some sort of, you know, cognitive dissonance somehow. Yeah. Um, so now this part you're talking about is involving in-depth research. It'll start to, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to really check some boxes here that I just looked at really quickly. The first one is kind of part of the, do I understand the business thing? And that is really dialing in. Is this a simple business? Not just do I think I can understand it, but is it actually very simple? That That's a huge part of getting all this right, you guys. I mean, if you keep trying to buy into businesses that are not simple, it's, you know, simple is, is very relative. It's simple for you. Simple for you. And, and the I, and second just, tier of the pyramid is mm -hmm. not the checklist that is the rules checklist that begins with radar, where the first checkpoint is business is owned. No. What is I'm this? Still, still just pretty in my owned? head. 
Okay. Still, Just being clear. So we're not yet onto the checklist that we spent mm-hmm. many episodes going I'm still through. trying to make it worthwhile getting there. Got it. All right. Um, so that's first piece of this thing. Is it simple enough for me? And the second thing is, is it a dominant market position, which I can figure out pretty quickly, right? I can, I can understand by reading about the company and their 10 K and a little bit in the, in the press, do they have, do I think they have a kind of a dominant position somehow? Is this the list from Ackman? Ackman, Bill Ackman. Yep. Okay. Yep. So this is this is Bill's list, and it's a very good overview. Yeah, it's of, an excellent. List. Really is. So there's there's the next thing is okay, great. Let's just make sure if it's simple enough, they actually are dominant in their market. And that was a really tough question on Sprouts because they're little mm. relative to the Krogers and the Whole Foods and the you know all these other big companies. Mm. So that we couldn't get a very good answer to that right away. So okay, that doesn't have a real good answer yet. So you kind of Did park that. Park that. That's going to end up it's on not the checklist. It's not a terrible kill the excitement answer. It's just uh, not 100% sure like, what's going on there. It doesn't jump out at me that they do. Mm. But their numbers make me think that they might have something going on in a niche that's special. Yeah, they're a funny one. I mean, just to call that one out in particular, they're a funny one for that particular question because within the enormous grocery, of, I mean, of course, they're not dominant, but in their niche, which is very important to shoppers. They are, in fact, very strong. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It's fine. It's very cool. So I don't have an answer to that one. The next one is, do they generate a lot of free cash? That was really easy. That, that was part of that first few minutes. And just like, oh yeah, these guys, these guys print money. This is great. All right. Um, the next one is, what? What's going to protect them from having companies come after them? And I don't know the answer to that mm-hmm. at this stage. I, I, I don't know what their position is in the market yet. Mm-hmm. So I certainly don't know if they have barriers, right? So that that has to remain unknown. High return on capital, that was one of the obvious things that happened when I looked at at the numbers. It's like, yeah, they got big return on, on capital, big return on assets, big return on, on equity. So that that box gets checked and it's a big indicator that there's something good going on here with regard to the dominant market position and the barriers to entry, or they wouldn't be able to sustain those kind of numbers probably. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't know yet, but I'm pretty comfortable that I've seen the numbers that I'm used to seeing. And I like it. Um, do they have exposure to extrinsic risks somehow? And the answer is probably not, but leave that. Um, how about their balance sheet? That's another really easy one. They've either got a zero debt balance sheet or they don't, right? And they don't. They they have nearly zero debt. So great. They don't need access to other people's capital. They can just do their growing right out of their own free cash flow. Hmm. And they don't need debt. And so excellent management? I don't know yet. I have to leave that one. So this next this next group of sort of eight questions from Ackman has 
a few things that I have to dig in on and a few things that look, at least on the surface, like they're very good. So we're not eliminating this company yet. Okay, so you're not ending the process. You're going forward. Okay, now, and I can do all that in a matter of minutes, really. Once once we get down to it and say, okay, this is looking good enough, we can start cranking through that really in a, in a few minutes. And then I, I'm probably going to do that on my own. And then I'm going to go to my guys and my analyst team. Walk How did you do these, it when you were alone? Did um, you? Much less organized than this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I wish sense. I could claim that 40 years ago I had this all nailed down tight and I've just been working the system. <laughs> but it's been a lot of years of, of mistakes and, and, you know, and good ideas. And, and this is all kind of developed so that over the last 10 years or so, it's become fairly systematic. And okay. I think, honestly, a huge part of that is teaching it. Yeah, Really, a lot sense. of the stuff's just sitting yeah. in my head someplace. and Even stuff we've then. talked about on here, I, you know, you've said like, oh, I'm going to tell you how it works. And then like, as we've talked it out, you've been like, oh, it actually works in real life, like a little differently, <laughs> like than, differently than that. I kind of would have thought. <laughs> exactly. It's very cool. It is cool. And, and it really, uh, the old adage is if you really want to learn something, teach it. Yeah. Because you'll discover that the things you think or have assumed, all the things you assumed or a certain kind of way, right. you have to go figure them out. Well, that's like sure our entire there. podcast is like, exactly. where's the assumption? Because it makes exactly. no sense to me. So um, this is one of the great things about learning to be an investor is that y- if you have people in your life you love, you're going to want to teach them how to do this. If, if they're your children, you're really going to want to teach them how to do this so that they can um, not have to suffer financially when they wouldn't otherwise had to. So yeah, it's like, I, I would say the last 10 years, it's become pretty systematic, but I've had people the last 10 years okay, working with me. So I'm just asking that because 99% of us on here don't have a team of analysts. So. Right. And, and so actually that brings up a really important point, I think, and that is it's great to have somebody in your life, you just at least one person that you can bounce this stuff off of. Yeah, I, I mean, so agree with really that. Really good investors all do that. Every one of them that I know has kind of networked into a small trusted group, very small. I mean, I've got really good friends and I'm who are in the investment world and I'm not part of their group. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're not part of mine. Mm-hmm. And and so because there's just a limited amount of time you can spend yakking about this stuff with multiple kinds of people and also other people who don't there's a kind of a trust in in how they process information the way you process it because otherwise you're in this constant sort of debate about <laughs> each thing that you're looking at and that's not good either yeah you're right. you can get into paralysis by analysis if you're looking at, at things 50 different ways so we sort of want to have a lens we're looking through and and then have a couple people that look through it the same kind of way and trust trust that process is going to turn out turn out well. Yeah, so, that's something yeah. I've gone back and forth a lot with. Um, who is good to talk to about investing stuff? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'll talk to Nuno about it some about like a company I'm interested in sometimes, and it always his perspective always 
shows me where the holes are in my thought process because he is very good at sort of figuring out like what's the crux of this problem mm-hmm. but at the same time he has zero interest in value investing or like analyzing companies so right. his comments are so from left field sometimes that i'm just like wait a second like this actually doesn't like i know you want to know about this but like it doesn't actually matter to this decision and it can be distracting and um and same thing with with like friends and stuff. So it's like, there's kind of this strange balance, which is probably impossible to get right of like outsider opinion of somebody who's just like, wait, what about this thing that is extremely obvious and you should have thought of. And somebody who, um, who totally like knows all the, all the process that you're going through and also kind of can make the same assumptions and maybe skip some of the same things, but also can speak the same language and and help you. It's fascinating. I've got friends that that you know who really um, are just down the line on the same page we're on when it comes to investing, but who can come to really different opinions about a company. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's really amazing uh, how how much different the opinion can be, Um, and probably so. Probably you gotta you gotta be working with people who. I think really do share your worldview here a little bit on how to, how to invest properly. So rule one type investors all share a kind of a basic worldview um, that falls in, as you can see, I'm using Bill Ackman's eight point checklist and I'm using Charlie Munger's four point checklist as just adopted them wholesale, just bring them in. They're perfect. And then we're building a much more detailed one of our own. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, they the the key thing is I think that by having a kind of a partner you you like to bounce things off of, you will see errors in the numbers in the analysis that pop out to you because you're not deep in the woods. You know, you'll just Wait, look at it and you'll again. go errors in your own numbers. Errors no, in, in theirs. Oh, in theirs, and they'll see that in yours, and it's really valuable. Where you know, there's just a missed piece of data or an assumption that's made that isn't isn't valid. It's clearly not valid. Hmm. And yet here's this really good investor that has made that assumption and come out with a vastly different projection about where this company is going to be hmm. as a result of that. And those are super valuable to just say, you know, always in a, the kindest kind of way, right? Just, you know, have you have you taken a look at this because this has happened and I wondered if you updated your numbers on that. And mm-hmm. so we've we've caught some stuff with our own stuff. So that's why I'm I'm with my guys. We we're we try to to stay away from um, getting so anchored into our own belief about a company that we can't see the forest for the trees anymore. And um, that really helps to bounce this stuff off of. So I'm I'm really glad I've got an analyst team. It's super helpful. I mean, Bill Ackman is running ten billion dollars and he has five people. Mm-hmm. that are on his analyst team, right? I mean, you don't need a lot of people, even with an insane amount of money to invest. What you need are the right people. So I strongly urge I mean, urge Monish Pabrai and Guy Spear famously have no analysts. They don't want them. Right, but they have each other. Yeah, that's I mean, what, yeah really, exactly. So really it's like finding, <laughs> it's finding the people who are helpful without creating bias in some way, without sort of taking their opinion 
see, those two guys are so good at this that they can just attract each other and they don't have to pay for analysts and all this. I, I don't have any friends, so I have to buy them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Guy won't oh, play man. with me. Monesh won't play with me. Dad, you know. I'm so sad. As soon as this stupid illness goes away, I'll be your friend. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I need a friend. And I need a rational friend. This is the other thing. If you guys are looking for a buddy to buddy with, get somebody who's very rational. You you need that quality. The last thing you need is somebody that's making emotional calls. Um, they will not be helpful to you. So, I mean, that's my rather strong opinion. I don't know what you how you think about it, but I think, you know, Charlie Munger is, I mean, Warren Buffett is extremely rational, but Charlie's more rational than Warren. Yeah. He really is. True. He has very little emotional content to his investing decisions. And Warren has an emotional content. His, his emotional content or his sort of weak, the weakness that he has is intentional. He doesn't want to be a bad guy. He hmm. doesn't want to do things that are perceived to be politically incorrect. And that's just who he is. He, he loves being, I think he loves being loved by masses of people. And well, I mean, I think it's, I feel like that's actually kind of a rude thing to say. It's like, maybe it's not it that he's doing it be because rude. of outside opinion. I don't think oh, it's I because totally of his own moral is. compass from the inside. Okay. Well, okay. Fair enough. But I will say, I think there's a pretty good story in Snowball that is about the, one of the first investments he made when he came back from uh, going to school um, was in a small company in a small town in Nebraska. And he saw that the value of the parts was massively mm. more than the value, than the price of the company. And he bought the company and sold the parts um, without really considering that those people who lived in that town needed that business. Yeah, and he point. sold it off. Yeah, And he caught huge grief for that and decided never ever to do that again. So that one, I think, is impacted by how people perceive you, right? I mean, that's yeah, part I think of your moral also, compass. Yeah, and I think learning that lesson that he did not want to be somebody creating pain who, who for did other that, people. Who created pain. Yeah. And I think they have that same point of view with uh, Charlie and Warren share that with regard to gambling companies, with regard to tobacco companies, companies that do things that are pretty obviously not helpful to people. Um, at the same time, they're pretty comfortable drinking Coca-Cola all day long. And there's a lot of people that think Coke is way worse than gambling companies and yep. along the lines of a cigarette company. So, you know, it's, it, I think they do a very good job of voting their own values and, um, and being rational about it. So I, I'm really encouraging you to get a partner. It's rational, meaning you can bat ideas back and forth and they're not going to generate an emotional response, a, a, I'm mad at you because you think this sort of thing. It's yeah. just, <laughs> yeah, that's you, know, not you sound like that's easy to do, but a lot of people have a lot of trouble with that. I would say the vast majority of people out there are pretty much emotional investors. They look at all the people who are investing in Tesla and Bitcoin and, you know, GameStop and AMC and doing meme investments. This is all emotional. I mean, investing. to me, that's just a totally different category. Like somebody who's, excited to invest in Tesla five years ago and just is excited about it and doesn't know that much about the company and hasn't done their research and isn't, you know, following a 20 page checklist right. is not the well, kind you're of saying the same thing. I am excited is emotional. That's what it is. No, I'm saying that somebody who's 
only purchasing a stock out of excitement is not somebody who's particularly useful to run um, an analysis back and forth because they haven't done an analysis. But Well, they think they have. They think they have. I don't know about that. (laughs) They they do an analysis. You know, electric cars are going to be huge and so solar and it's going to be gigantic. I will say I get insanely emotional about companies like i have feelings about companies that are hitting all the buttons i want them to hit and for me that's the best part of investing it's like dating and then falling in love like i get to fall in love with amazing companies doing great things with people i want to support and Without that feeling, I don't think that I would be as excited about being an investor. I know well, I does, wouldn't be as excited. I mean, about just being to stay with that sort of metaphor of falling in love, which isn't really metaphorical. It sounds like you actually do. Um, obviously, if you fall in love with somebody and they change dramatically, you're going through a heartbreak, and totally. it, it can often be very difficult to 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 get out of there. You you get stuck in it. You're getting. I, this can't be happening. Um, this isn't the real company that I love and you're stuck in it. I would, I would I don't be know. a little concerned about being really problem, in love. But maybe. Stick I mean, around. There's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's benefits and drawbacks to everything. And I, I, I think it's fabulous to love the company. In fact, it's one of our checklist points. Is yeah. One of the it, major checklists it, is to love the business. Yeah, it matters to me. Maybe take it super seriously like love love like you can't get rid of it yeah i don't know you invented that part of it not me i like i like to get rid of things if they're not performing well and i also like to get rid of them this might be the harder part of things is to get rid of them when they're really overpriced and i have other places to put the money and you know there can be a really good thing about being so much in love with something you just don't want to part with it and that is in the long run that is often the right answer just stick it out you know, go through the 50% drop, um, you know, which I've, I've gone through twice with Chipotle. I love Chipotle, fabulous company. I've gone through two massive drops and mm-hmm. bought back into it both times. So, and then of course, if I just stayed with it, I would probably be better off. So I don't know. It's a different, I'm, I'm yeah, sort of. When it comes to price, it's kind of a different, I really think price is a whole different analysis. It's just in a different category than all the stuff that's involved in learning about the company itself. I mean, the company itself and the stock market price are oftentimes divorced from each other. Yeah, totally different. I mean, that's like lesson number one, right? So, yeah, hundred percent. So to me, they're, they're very separate. And so the, the, the process what, is different. I don't want to lose track of what we were on there. And that's just getting somebody to, to bounce ideas off of. So that you do that with somebody who's pretty rational. And I think, um, you know, that's, that kind of gets us to the logistics of the checklist. Great. Well, maybe next are, time we will well, th- th- get to talk uh, about it. So the not first, a lot to yeah, say. I, there's plenty to say. Okay, there, plenty I have many say. questions, but <laughs> I enjoy the pyramid perspective. And what I have at the top of the pyramid are the Munger four and then the Mm -hmm. Ackman eight in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then on the bottom comes the Phil Town. 
millions yeah, of questions. Then here, then here comes the work. If you can get it through the first two parts of the pyramid, then then you dive in and begin the work. And that's, I think, really what you kind of want to get to is what is that? Okay, good. Like? So that's what we're going to talk about next time. Okay, very okay. good. All right, you Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, time to go play. Bye. See ya. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.